You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim. This is Uzma Jaffrey. Seba Hassan, um, what is like? I just have to ask you something really, really quickly because you know you and mm-hmm. I talk all the time. How do you handle? This is the truth of it. Like your parents and not listening to you health wise. I know you're a doctor, so your parents <laughs> probably listen to you more than me. But just like mm-hmm. basic things, I'm like, mom, you you need to stop. X or let's try doing it's a really hard transition because they still don't want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many alphabets you have after your name, they're not going to listen to you. At the end of the day, they are grown adults. So it's very different, right? Like that role reverses when you're sandwiching, you're raising your children and that whole mommy persona, you kind of try to take it over to your parents. It will backfire. Yeah. Cause 100%. they're like, I don't know who you think you are, but you're definitely <laughs> not going to be telling baby me what to do. Who's you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They're gonna, okay. That makes me yeah. feel better. That makes me at least feel a little bit of better. <laughs> yeah. And so my parents recently were going to make uh, a decision to move out of state and a place where they had no children living there. I mean, there's family, oh but it's different when it's in your, your own kid. And I was furious. I was fuming because I was like, that is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. And my husband talked me down and he was like, listen, at the end of the day, they're grown ups. They will do whatever they want to do. We will support them no matter where they are, right? And I'm like, but it doesn't make any kind of sense. If something happens, I have to fly three hours minimum to get to them versus 20 minutes. This is so stupid, you know? Um, Yeah, and with my dad having had the heart attack last year and everything, it was just so dumb. So yeah, I was really pissed. And then they went there, they went house shopping and they came back and on their own, they made this very intelligent decision to stay, to stay. local to me. Yes. They may have three children, but you know, I'm the one that shows up. I'm the one that takes them to the appointments. And, you know, I have a lot of resources here, Alhamdulillah, where I can get them into offices very quickly. And it just, it, it makes sense. At the end of the day, what we need to do is give them the space. And I always tell my patients too, everybody deserves the opportunity to fail. And that's what I told my parents. I was like, everybody deserves the opportunity to fail. You guys didn't give it to us because we were never allowed to fail. And the first time Mm -hmm. we did it, it was like so jarring and awful. Um, But we have to let you do it because you are grownups and you're getting old for the first time too, right? They haven't done this before. So it's kind of like raising teenagers. You got to let them fall on their face and then pick them up. You got to be there. Oh, but it, it, it probably hurts them a little bit more when they fall on their face. So that's what makes it a little yeah, bit more challenging. There's a lot more. Okay, <laughs> let's can just be real. On their face. Like, yeah. We don't want you to but, break a bone, okay? Because then now we have to deal yeah. with it. But it, it definitely is. We are that sandwich generation. And we're definitely, you know, experiencing a lot of that because we're still in the throes of mommyhood and mommying. Mm-hmm. And that now we're trying to, we're transitioning. My parents are moving and my, they're moving closer to my brother for that exact reason was, and it was one of those things where same thing where like somebody has to be there to take care of you so just 
go, go along to get along. And then the beauty is, you know, you don't have to worry about those mundane day-to-day things. Like we will help you go through that process. So I'm glad to know that I'm not alone. But how was your week this week? It was fabulous because speaking of parents, we had the parents reunion. And it was amazing, crazy, nuts, awesome, because, you know, immigrant families, like, it's normal for us to have, like, 30 people in the house, like, on (laughs) a regular basis, right? (laughs) So, like, uh, uh, a dinner party with, like, 100 people is pretty normal for us. So that's kind of what we experienced. And it was just beautiful to see the three generations together, um, our dads getting together and catching up after 40 years, just super beautiful. The moms, of course, you know, not wanting us to cater anything, wanting to cook all the time. And it was like, shut up. You're here to relax. Just everybody freaking relax. Um, So cold, sadly, even though we had a lot of people flying in from Chicago to escape the cold, it was cold at the Grand Canyon, but subhanAllah, you know, I, I pray inshallah that everybody had a good time and that, you know, they won't go back home to Chicago and say, we're never going to Arizona again. It sucked. I think everybody had a good time. So we missed you. I love that. I know. I'm sorry about that. But we I had to do my own thing. But you have to send me pictures. Can't wait to see them. Yeah. Well, tell me how your week was. Well, you know, I'm just uh, I'm just in the throes of like, starting, you know, starting another business, which is always a challenge in and of itself. But a lot of what we do is workshops and events and things like that. So like the planning piece of it, trying to balance to the extent that you can balance the motherhood, my kids texting me trying to do this stuff at home. It is definitely a challenge. um, One that I've I love, I love every second of it, every day of it. Um, and, and I love being an entrepreneur, like we've talked about multiple times, because I get to have being a mom at the center, and then my work around it, and then you're doing the things that you love. So it's just been, I've, I've been having to reset some of my systems, because you know me, I'm such a systems person, Very because systems of my, <laughs> because I because I do have like a lot of shortcomings. And my shortcomings are I have ADD. And you know, I, I, I love to do multiple multiple things. So unless I write it down, like poor Uzma, thank God she's, she does what she does for the podcast, because I wouldn't even know who, what, where, when, and how, and she just keeps me in check. But that's my thing is if I don't have those systems in place, I end up going to random places and talking about apparently trapped gas before our guest even came out. Like this is just where my mind goes. So guess what? Systems are key. I love doing what I do, but I've been having to recreate some of my systems so that I don't get overwhelmed or feel overwhelmed. Um, so that's kind of what I've been focusing on right now, like going back to the basics and getting re- re-engaged and recharged and all that good stuff. Well, the best of luck on Emerge Parenting and all the other business um, ventures that you are branching <laughs> out like, into. I'm like, just super I always excited. Forget. I just always forget. We're like, what am I doing <laughs> this week? Yes, yeah. I got it. But you know, we we're having an amazing thing. Speaking of recharging, refocus it, and refocusing our energy. You know, we talk about it all the time on the podcast. That Usman and I use Ramadan as a way to kind of re recharge our mind, body, and soul. And we're continuing that on on this our March Fitness series. Um, we're prepping for Ramadan and to tell us which foods will get us through our fast the best is Mona Khalil, a registered dietitian. She is a Texan born. I feel totally out of place here as the only Midwesterner. She is married with (laughs) 
two young children. She is pursuing her PhD. She is a boss, nutrition mom, mashallah. Her passion is maternal health and improving pediatric obesity. Her current research project is working with low-income children through community gardens. Oh, I love this. To improve their access and intake of vegetables, which is something we, we love here at Mommy Well Muslim. Welcome, Mona, and thank you so much for joining us here today. Assalamualaikum. Thank you so much for having me. It's such an honor to be on today. We're super excited, and we'd love to kick it off by having our guests tell us a little bit about their mommying story and their mommying philosophy. Yes, so um, as uh, Zeva mentioned, I have two young kids, so my son is four, and my daughter will be two next month, so she's our little COVID, she's our little COVID COVID baby. baby. (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, So I feel like I'm still, you know, young in the momming journey to have any kind of a philosophy, but I feel what I've learned so far is that kids will, you know, do what they see, not Mm -hmm. what you say, and so that's definitely something where, you know, you as a mom, you have to check yourself and to see, you know, what are my own habits that I don't want to pass on to my kids and things that I want to instill in them. So I think that, you know, trying to set the example and then also getting your kids involved in everything that you do, whether it's small or big, you know, chores, for example, or being in the kitchen, you know, a lot of research is talking about, you know, having your kids in the kitchen, you know, cutting up vegetables to help with picky eating. And I, you know, a lot of times as moms, we're just trying to, you know, get dinner on the table and you want to just, you know, put the kids somewhere so we can get stuff done. But I think, you know, the more we get them involved, that gives them a sense of ownership and empowerment. And I think that that will, um, you know, kind of give them the leadership skills they need to continue on. I love that. I completely agree. I'm not following that. I'm not going to lie. I'm not, I'm like a short order cook, like 99% of the time. So I, I definitely appreciate (laughs) that you're starting this momming philosophy very young because I wish I knew you back in the day because right now I literally have two vegetarians, one that sometimes eats meat. So depending on if her body needs it, then I have two kids, one that only eats 10 things. Like it's like fixing food is a nightmare for me and I hate it. So the fact that you're, you're doing this for your kids, I love that. And kids will always, you know, they, you know, they copy their parents. So it's like, if you're sitting there, you know, eating a salad, my kids, you know, they just want to reach in the salad bowl, even though, you know, they already have their own salad on their plate. They want, you know, what mommy and dad are eating. So I love that. Yeah. My kids, mommy and daddy eat like trash, but alhamdulillah, we put them in Montessori <laughs> when they were little. So, you know, obviously when they were like younger than Montessori age, we gave them a lot of fruits and vegetables because that's what good parents do, right? <laughs> We were scared of being judged. So that's why we did that. And then they went to Montessori and there they teach them to eat raw vegetables. And like Mm -hmm. as parents, we were assigned like, okay, these are the vegetables that you have to bring or these are the fruits that you have to bring this week for the class. And they they learned to cut them up and it made them feel really independent. And because they had already learned to use knives at school, I let them use them at home as young as three. So they would sit there and chop up um, their rainbows because they called it mm-hmm. rainbows. I have to eat a rainbow today. Um, and yeah, my kids eat fruits and vegetables way better than my husband and me because we grew up in the generation of Twinkies and chips and stuff like that. So that That's great. Well, my mom would always tell me, you know, eat, have a rainbow on your plate. So maybe that's why I'm a dietitian today. Oh, so. yeah. <laughs> maybe started right back there. then. <laughs> well, speaking of your mom, tell us about your family background and this magical <laughs> rainbow on your plate. Because I hadn't heard that until I actually had children. My mom told me to eat meat. 
Yeah, so my parents are Egyptian immigrants. They came to the U.S. in the 70s, and um, we grew up in a town, uh, Victoria, Texas. I don't know if, was familiar, if you're familiar with Victoria, Texas. Yep. So um, it was a small town, so we didn't grow up with a whole lot of Muslims in our community. So I think, you know, having that experience of, you know, being kind of the minority from uh, you know, the start kind of allowed us to have like kind of a grassroots movement because my parents were, along with the other community members, responsible for building the Victoria Masjid, um, which, you know, had the fire, you know, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. That was the masjid that, you know, my parents helped build. And mm-hmm. so I think that kind of really um, shaped who I am today as far as, you know, being involved in the community from day one. Um, so, you know, being the minority in a small town kind of really shaped who I was. And I, you know, was the only hijabi at my Catholic school. Um, so I think it really um, gave me kind of the strong sense of um, who I am as a Muslim today. Um, so I come from a large family. My parents are Egyptian um, and just uh, re- really blessed with some amazing parents that were involved um, with all that we um, were involved in as kids. I'm sorry to hear about the Victoria Masjid fire. Yeah, I forgot about that. And I didn't realize your family was involved in building it. SubhanAllah, that's amazing. But has it been repaired since? Yes, it has been rebuilt. And it was a huge campaign that they raised, like, I think, like, almost $2 million to rebuild it. Um, But I still remember as a kid, we would go to, you know, different towns all over Texas and, you know, have our little, you know, boxes to to collect dollars and coins. So um, we're so glad that we were able to rebuild it. Oh, I love that. I love that. But, you know, we're, we're talking a little bit, and obviously, you know, the masjid is a, it's a key component for Ramadan for a lot of people. And, you know, you go there, you go to the masjid, you're, you see all these amazing foods, and you're just like, I'm starving, I want to eat everything. But the reality is, if you're a dietitian or if you're on a diet, I shouldn't say diet, if you have con confirmed and be having a lifestyle change, sometimes Ramadan does trip you up. Let's just be real, right? Because you're starting to think, oh, well, I've been fasting, whatever, 16 plus hours a day, you know, as it's leaving summer. So yes, I can have that piece of cake. It won't really matter. So what are we doing in our regular everyday diets that ends up getting tripped up during Ramadan? Yeah, I think that a lot of times our philosophy going into Ramadan is that we're, you know, especially at iftar time, we want to compensate for all yes. the hours that we weren't yes. eating or drinking. So I think that, you know, we really need to go back to the prophetic way, which is, you know, obviously, you know, he taught us to be mindful in everything that we do. And, you know, that goes to eating. So being you know, eating mindfully and eating in moderation. So, you know, outside of Ramadan, you know, he taught us, you know, one third for food, you know, one third for water, one third for air. So I think that definitely carries over into Ramadan. So I think that if we can, you know, just kind of pause and not, you know, you know, we're not, you know, chipmunks or squirrels where, you know, if we would just want to eat as much food as possible, kind of store it, exactly, store it, you know, for the, for the rest of the hours. Yeah, for store that food, people, okay? Exactly, exactly. So, um, you know, definitely just being mindful, you know, the prophet, you know, he would usually have, you know, fresh dates. If fresh dates weren't available, he would just have water. So if we could just, you know, maybe start off with our dates and water, you know, take a pause for prayer and kind of give your body that time to replenish and kind of refocus, you know, I think, 
also looking at the wisdom as to why dates were chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. You know, they're one of the highest glycemic foods, so it has, you know, really good glucose, it has potassium, it even has, you know, antioxidants and magnesium that kind of help, you know, get all that fuel to your muscles and to your body, along with hydrating. And then kind of when you sit down for your meal, you know, just trying to be mindful versus just trying to gorge and make up for that that lost time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> shoveling it in. I like that. Yeah. In terms of storage, my mom would always feed us like really big at Sohor because she would be yeah. like, oh, you, this is, good. you know, you need all of this for all day. And like you need to drink uh, four glasses of water or something insane like that on top of like two fried breads plus like a quarter of a fried bread that had sugar <laughs> packed into it and eggs and, and like ground beef and all this kind of junk, you know, like gorging. I always gained five pounds in Ramadan when I was growing up. And, you know, I realized later, it doesn't matter how much water you drink, like your kidneys you're work. If your thirsting. kidneys are working. <laughs> yes, and you're, yeah, you're thirsty, thirsty and hungry at the same time, people, like around the because same your time. your kidneys know how to work. Your stomach knows how to work. And so... As their schedule goes, they will continue. Peristalsis continues, filtration continues, and you're going to pee out any excess water because the body wants balance. And she's going to poop it out. She's going to pee it all out. There is no storage, you know, like like you said. Um, and then I guess, is it true then for iftar? Because when we're shoveling the food in our mouths at iftar, we're trying to fortify ourselves to make up for all those calories we lost during the day and then to stay strong, quote unquote, during tarawiyah. So we have energy, quote unquote, for tarawiyah. Are we really storing that? Because it is, you know, uh, after Maghrib time, uh, I want to say there's a belief that our metabolism maybe slows down. And after seven, you're actually storing some of that as fat. Can you speak to the difference between why that is between Sohor and Iftar? Yeah, so I think definitely, you know, your body, you know, when you're in a fasting state, your metabolism, you know, obviously does slow down because you're kind of trying to preserve, you know, your lean body mass. Um, And so I think that, you know, when your body can only process so much at a time. So if, you know, your typical iftar is, you know, fried foods and a lot of carbohydrates and all that, you know, obviously, you know, our body prefers glucose as fuel first so mm-hmm. that your body's going to, you know, metabolize it and process it. Um, but all of the excess fat, you know, unfortunately, you know, your body doesn't know what to do with it. So it does, you know, go to storage. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely say that, you know, we have to just kind of eat in moderation. So, you know, you know, kind of thinking of the hunger scale. So a lot of times, you know, we're at like, you know, a one where we're just like hangry, Mm -hmm. you know, we want to eat iftar, you know, and we, you know, sometimes we'll kind of eat until we're like a nine or a 10. We're just uncomfortable and nauseous and just want to vomit. So I don't think that's productive as far as giving us the energy we need, you know, to stand up and tarawih if you're, you know, downing antacids and, you know, trying to kind of Mm -hmm. process all that food you just ate. So I think, you know, eating where we're comfortable, maybe at a six or a seven, where it's like, you know, I'm comfortable, you know, maybe I can have a little bit more and it doesn't, you know, we don't have to have it all at iftar time. So maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, we eat kind of a smaller amount at iftar and then maybe we have like a post snack, you know, after tarawih or before tarawih, that's kind of like a, a balanced snack. Um, but definitely just, you know, realizing that we can't, you know, we can't compensate for um, for that whole time that we weren't fasting. 
Exactly. And you had mentioned that our body does compensate on some level because it slows down our metabolism, right? Like, so this way we're trying to conserve that energy and we're trying to get through the day. So what are some things that we can eat in the mornings? For me, it's always that morning, right? You're waking, I wake up early anyway, but for people that don't necessarily wake up that early as you're getting up, you're not that hungry. So what is it that we can kind of eat or drink to kind of help us get sustained throughout the day? Like what's a good breakfast? So horror, that's not like Uzma was saying, by the way, which is also terrible for the moms. The fact that we're making a thousand things for Sahur when mm-hmm. really you're going to be hungry and thirsty at we're the same time. Too. We're you fasting know? too. So just, yeah, just, I just want to say that, like, I just want to say that to the moms. This is not, if anything that you learn from all the diet, all the diet and the food things that we're saying, you do not have to overfeed your children and your family in the morning because like Ozma says, it's going to go out if your body's working properly anyway. So go ahead and make that one thing or that two things that you're, that's special for your kids. So what would that look like, Mona? Like, you know, we, my daughter loves overnight oats. She loves it. Like we make it, she can't have um, milk. So we make it with um, coconut milk, you know, like, and she will eat it. And it's something she eats. So that's something special she likes for my, my older son. He just, he doesn't have anything. He just says, let me He'd rather sleep. Drink water and drink sleep. Water and sleep. <laughs> Let's just be real. But, th- but what, are, what are some things that we can do or feed um, our children that's not having a slave away in the kitchen? Because guess what? It's about us gaining connection to Alyssa Balanzala too, and that's not in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. Um, I would definitely go back to, you know, sometimes the Prophet Salsam would only have, you know, like three dates and water. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we think that, you know, more is better, but it's yes. really about, you know, quality versus quantity. Yes. So I would definitely say we need to, you know, focus on more nutrient dense foods. So I would say, you know, if you could have like three main things as part of your Sahur, I would say it'd be like lean protein, like healthy fats, and then like fiber. So that could, you know, kind of whatever, you know, your kind of dietary needs are, you can kind of construct a meal that includes those three things. So for example, maybe it's just, and, you know, um, an egg omelet that you just throw in some veggies, you know, leftover veggies from maybe a thar time, just kind of scramble that up or make it in some kind of an omelet, maybe with just some whole grain toast on the side with maybe some, you know, avocado or something just smashed on it for healthy fats. And then also trying to have some water with that or maybe some cut up fruit on the side um, and definitely focusing on hydration, you know, mm-hmm. but like, you know, Ozma said, it's like you're, you know, you can't drink 10 cups of water yeah. at, you know, so who are and think that you're gonna that's gonna carry you over your body can only process so much and so I think thinking that we can only meet our hydration needs during you know sahur is you know really the the wrong mindset so we have to be you know trying to you know drink water you know at iftar time throughout you know from iftar to Aisha time from you know Aisha to after tarawih and then also at sahur um is really important. And then it doesn't only have to be water. So thinking like hydrating fruits. So, mm-hmm. you know, watermelon, melons, cantaloupe, all those great things. And, you know, as far as making it simple, you know, yes, we're all moms, we're busy, we're, you know, half asleep, you know, at um, some more time. So even if you could pre-make something, simple smoothies are super easy to throw together. Yes. You can even, you know, put all the ingredients in baggies and kind of write on there, you know, just add milk, add water. So even your kids, you know, if they're old enough, could do it themselves. So thinking as far as like trying to include those three things we talked about as far as fiber, healthy fats, and like lean protein in it. So it could be a smoothie with like some dates, 
you know, mangoes just to add a little bit of, you know, sweetness, um, spinach, kind of get some fiber in there, maybe some Greek yogurt or milk, or even just some protein powder if you want. And then, you know, just some ice water, kind of just blending that up. And you can even have that pre-made. You just throw that in there. And if you know that you feel that's not filling for, you could even have like a hard boiled egg mm. on the side and some water as well. So I think simple, easy things, even like, you know, just whole grain toast with toast with avocado smashed on it with some cut up fruit on the side, um, you know, kind of trying to avoid things that are really high in sodium and salt because then you're just going to be thirsty all day. Mm. And, you know, so trying to just focus on things that are hydrating, that are complex carbohydrates and have fiber um, and kind of avoiding a lot of like those simple carbohydrates that are not really going to do much for you. So really, I would say quality over quantity and trying to stay as hydrated as you can. I love that. Um, what modifications, if any, do we have to make for our athletes who are fasting in Ramadan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say, you know, obviously, you know, it's really hard to avoid a lot of strenuous activity during Ramadan, you know, for kids that are in sports and school and all that. So, you know, ideally, you know, if you are trying to continue your exercise routine, you'd want to avoid, you know, like the moderate or vigorous um, activity, you know, during fasting hours. So if it's possible to kind of push that activity, you know, maybe an hour or two before, you know, the breaking of the fast. So that way you're at least able to kind of replenish your body with hydration and maybe some kind of like a complex carb or a protein or even some electrolytes. So I would definitely say the closer you can have it to a non-fasting hour would be ideal, but definitely just trying to make them, you know, stay as hydrated as they can during the times that they're not fasting. You know, even if that involves, you know, adding electrolytes to their water, um, you know, eating um, a little bit more protein and complex carbs to kind of give them a little bit more fuel throughout the day, um, that would definitely be ideal. But it's it's definitely okay to continue, you know, exercising during, you know, Ramadan because that does help preserve your lean body mass and it definitely Mm -hmm. helps yeah lean muscle and it definitely helps you know keep your metabolism going because you know obviously it slows down during fasting so um you know a lot of times you know it's really hard to kind of fit in that you know regular 45 minute to you know hour exercise during the day so even if you can break it up into little you know spurts throughout the day so for example if you could you know do a quick 10, 15 minute workout, you know, before um, suhoor time, maybe you do go on a walk before iftar time, and then maybe you do like another kind of workout, um, you know, maybe after iftar, before tarawih or whatever, you know, in the night you can, kind of trying to break it up. um, So that way at least you're still maintaining a level of activity during Ramadan um, without overexerting yourself during the time that you are fasting. Yeah, I'm just thinking like the evening practices, right, Zeba? Because we're usually at a practice at night. So I feel like that's pretty close. It's going to be pretty close to iftar time for my kiddo. So I'm thinking like maybe like dates and water. What I'm worried about is games in the afternoon because um, I have a soccer player. So a lot of those games are, if they're early morning, great because he's had suhoor, but typically they're around lunchtime. So is there anything that we should supplement with at Sahur if we're getting into a daytime thing? Or is it still the same? It doesn't matter if I electrolyte you at Sahur time, you're going to pee it out by the time, you know, you're, yeah, you're there's the only, up. yeah, so 
Yeah, there's only so much that can carry over, but I would definitely say, you know, if your kids are usually taking like any kind of a supplement or vitamin and, or mineral, you know, not during Ramadan, I would definitely can have them continue that just to kind of avoid any kind of, you know, deficiency during Ramadan. Um, and, you know, I would just also say, you know, to kind of watch for any kind of, you know, dizziness or any kind of symptoms that they might be having if they're exerting themselves you know maybe they can't drink water but maybe you can kind of have a cool towel that they kind of pat themselves down to kind of help you know help the body cool down and kind of you know take off some of that sweat so kind of watching um for those signs um because you know we're going to be in april so you know might be a little bit hotter here in the south um Mm -hmm. versus you know on the east coast of the midwest so definitely kind of watching for those signs um i think would be key yeah, that's absolutely. great. That's Thank great. You. And uh, honestly, too, you know, as a mom of a couple of athletes, talking to your coach, their coaches and letting mm-hmm. them know, um, you'd be surprised, you know, so instead of doing like they would have to do um, suicides and things like that, they would let my kids do something a little bit different, you know, so don't mm-hmm. be afraid and don't be ashamed to go and talk to those coaches and say, listen, they they want to still do this, they want to participate. Um, but of course, their energy level and all of that is going to be a little bit on the, the the low side and you'd be surprised by how much cooperation you get. So that that's definitely another tip that I would I would recommend for people. But you know, I read a book one time, Mona, and it and one of the quotes in the book was food is a good girl's drug. And it's just something that really resonated with me, right? Because we as Muslims, theoretically, we're not supposed to have all these extra vices, right? We're not drinking, we're not smoking, we're not going out and partying, you know, I'm in bed by eight. So I'm definitely not partying. But you know, food is definitely something that, you know, we we make for people when we want to show them love, or we invite people over because it is fun. Or just think about like my, my son this morning, perfect example, we were literally driving to school. And he said, the chicken tenders at the W is just better than the ones at the the other hotel we were staying at. Out of the blue, it was just one of those <laughs> things. And we were just like, what are you talking about? But, but that's kind of what happens, right? Like you start associating food with vacations mm-hmm. and this and that. So what is something that we can... Um, it, it becomes all about food. Like you start thinking you're making sahur like we did as moms and my poor mom had to do it. And they already started to think about iftar and dinner during Ramadan when mm-hmm. really we should be thinking about, okay, we have to do this extra prayer. I would like to go, you know, take a little bit of break and listen to Quran. I would like to do those things instead of thinking what's for iftar. What is something else that we can do, you know, instead of thinking about food during Ramadan when we should be fasting, what is something else that we can do to kind of fuel our soul um, instead of food or thinking about food during this particular month? Yeah, that's a really good question and a really valid point. And I think kind of the million dollar question that, you know, all of us as Muslims have during Ramadan is, you know, what's for iftar? And I think, you know, we really have to, (laughs) we really have to go back and think about the why, you know, why are we fasting Ramadan? You know, yes, you know, we can fast during the day, but then if we're, you know, gorging at night, then that's really defeating the purpose of, you know, trying to feel, you know, hunger. So it's okay to feel, you know, a little bit of hungry throughout Ramadan. You know, yes, you're kind of, 
replenishing your soul, but it's not, you know, we're not, it's, it's kind of not, you know, yo-yo dieting, you know, mm-hmm. like where it's like you're starving during the day and then you're gorging at night. So I think mm-hmm. kind of going back to the essence of, you know, what Ramadan is and really trying to focus on the spiritual aspect and then yes. thinking of food kind of as that means to that end goal of, you know, improving our piety to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So I think if we kind of simplify, you know, iftar and suhoor and, you know, you're just kind of using that food to kind of help you get to that through that spiritual journey during Ramadan. So I think a lot of times, you know, especially as moms, unfortunately, it's, you know, the big iftar parties and all this planning. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it can be very distracting from our own spirituality during Ramadan. So I think kind of trying to have a balance, you know, Yes, you know, food is, is, can be fun. It's, you know, it's all part of our culture and getting people together and, you know, traditions and, and that's beautiful. So we don't want to take that away, you know, wholeheartedly, but at the same time, we want to kind of try to find the balance. So, you know, maybe during, you know, your weekdays, your iftar is, you know, really something simple Simple. that you kind of can, you know, you can kind of prepare ahead of time. So a lot of times, like I'll try to prepare like the main meat part and have that frozen and have those kind of already in the freezer ready to go. Mm -hmm. So that way I, I just have to take that out you know you make a complex carb on the side and maybe a salad or a veggie soup so just kind of really something super simple that doesn't really require a lot of effort from you during the weekdays and then maybe you have you know your one big family iftar you know during Ramadan that you know you can enjoy a little bit more but then still kind of being mindful about you know what you're you know what you're eating at iftar time so even if you know you want to enjoy dessert. Maybe you can, you know, kind of cut the sugar in half by, you know, 50%. A lot of times you can kind of cut cut the sugar and a lot of times you don't really notice a whole big difference yes. or even mm-hmm. it could just be, you know, fruit with, you know, like a whipped cream topping or maybe some chocolate on the sides or something really simple. Um, but really, you know, we just have to listen to our bodies and be mindful and, um, you know, really just kind of thinking that everything and in moderation. I like that. Everything that. in moderation. I just wish um, <laughs> we'd been taught that growing up because it was always like a ton of fried food, but it's it's vegetables that are dipped in batter and fried, you know, so then that's good, right? Because that's how you eat your vegetables. <laughs> I never exactly. ate fresh vegetables growing up. They had to be cooked to death, but it makes it so easy if like your main is prepared and then all you have to do is add a fresh vegetable to the side. Um, and I think yeah. that, that that's helped me keep my sanity as a mom. Because even if I ever served frozen pizza or chicken nuggets, which I did often with three under yeah. three, I threw a rainbow of vegetables and fruits at them too. Yeah. And that always made me feel a little bit better about feeding my kids a frozen meal that was like super processed, but I'm like, well, inshallah, this will cancel the cancer. So um, that's how I dealt with it. I, I highly suggest that we keep it that simple in Ramadan as well. Historically, pre-pandemic, I did not even cook in Ramadan, only lunch mm-hmm. for the non-fasting kids. Um, but obviously that's changed. And in the last couple of years, I've, I, I don't think I have, um, like a set Ramadan routine, but I really, I think I need to come up with some kind of a game plan that works where I'm, maybe I am preparing three different meals for, you know, different preferences, but if it's done ahead of time, maybe it would help me. And you've provided some really good suggestions from some about some of those make aheads. Do you mind discussing those uh, one more time um, or expounding on what you have mentioned so far? Yes, for sure. And I think, you know, going back to iftar, you know, we still want to be kind of eating a balanced 
varied diet that we are normally eating out at Ramadan. So kind of, you know, my plate is kind of the recommendation right now as far as trying to get in a lot of color and variety on your plate. So what that is, is it's about half of your plate is fruits and vegetables, you know, ideally more vegetables. You know, you have a fourth of it, your protein, and then you have the fourth for your carbohydrate. So if we kind of have that mindset in mind, even if we're trying, even if we're putting something that's prepared on there, you're still kind of trying to balance it out with fruits and vegetables. So I think that, you know, even just a roasted chicken, getting like a whole chicken that you just roast in the oven that you can just kind of cut up that can be, you know, your main source of protein or throw it into some kind of a vegetable soup, um, you know, for like the next days if thar can work, you know, just, um, like stew meat can be, you know, if you have like instant pots are really handy right mm-hmm. now, you know, that you don't even have to think about it. You just throw, you know, throw, throw roast in, in there. Girls. Exactly. Throw yeah. In just, there. yeah, that's, that, I, I have two because that's how much I rely on them. Yeah. Wow. So you just, yeah, you throw your roast in there. You throw, yeah, you throw your stew meat in there. You don't think about it. You could, you know, have that frozen. So maybe, you know, you already know the days that your family might be invited to an iftar outside mm-hmm. the home. So maybe, you know, that, okay, I I need to prepare, you know, four meat, you know, meats for iftar time. So I'm going to make, you know, a roasted chicken one day, maybe, you know, a stew meat that day. Maybe I just have like some baked fish that I can just throw in the oven, you know, throw some salmon in the oven. And then you want to, you know, do your complex carbohydrate or your, and your veggies. So it could be just steamed veggies that you just steam in the microwave or just vegetables that mix vegetables that you roast in the oven. Even, you know, your carbohydrate could be just sweet potato that you literally put in the microwave for five minutes and it's, you know, steamed sweet potatoes. Or maybe it's, you know, in your, yes, yeah, in your instant pot, you just make rice, like brown rice, literally in like 15 minutes. So really just kind of trying to think about what's the main thing I'm going to serve and then what can I add on the side to make it a balanced meal. And then also, you know, we need to give our bodies grace that, you know, it takes our brain almost 15 to 20 minutes to know if we're full or not. Yeah. So, you know, you, it's going back to that, you know, mindful eating of, you know, if I, you know, try to, you know, finish my plate, am I going to feel an uncomfortable 10 after this? Or am I going to be, you know, at like a six or a seven? So really giving your body that time to process, you know, the food that you're eating to know if you're full or not. And then, like I said, you can always do like a post iftar snack or like before tarawih, like maybe it's just an apple with some peanut butter or maybe just some cut up carrots with some hummus. So, you know, we don't all, you know, you kind of have to think about, you don't, you can't, you're not going to get all your nutrients from just that one meal at iftar. You can spread it out a little bit, you know, iftar, maybe snack, and then some at sahur. And let's be real, you know, as Americans, yeah. we're not starving. Yeah. Even if we're yes, fasting Yes, for sure. Day. And so, and I always say, like, even if I'm following the keto, I have enough fat stored on me, I will be fine to go the whole month of Ramadan. Okay, so that's just something we have to think about. You know, there's always something I even say to my kids now, there's always another meal. Yes, God is good. There's always another meal. We're not going to always love everything that's put in front of us. But like, Mm -hmm. I love your concept of food as fuel. And that's really has been like changed my mantra recently is Mm -hmm. what am I doing to fuel my body to to be at its most optimal, optimal, right? And it's 
probably not the Cheetos and the things like that because I always tend to feel like crap afterwards. So I love that the food is fuel, especially if you have young athletes like it seems like we all have have here, and that doesn't change during Ramadan. So thank you so much for um, for for just reiterating that what we needed to hear. And moms, give yourself grace. You don't have to make mm-hmm. a five course meal for your kids. No, or your husband. Please don't do that. Or your in laws because the goal is not to Actually, be full. Do not yes. do that. The goal is just no. to fuel. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. We're fueling our body. We're not fooding our body. Our I don't bodies. know. We'll have to come yeah. up with filling our body. Yes, we're not filling our body. But if you have listened to the podcast um, before, Mona, we do this thing where it's a rapid fire and Usman and I are going to throw yes. some questions at you. So I hope you're ready for this. <laughs> but the first yes. question we always ask is, do you have a good book recommendation or something you're currently reading that our audience can know about? Yeah, well, I'm reading a parenting book, the uh, the whole brain child. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, so one. I've been oh, trying to read that for a while. So I'll, I'll help you able to finish that one. But that that's a good one that it's I'm reading right now. It's a very right good now. one. Definitely a good yes. read. Wonderful. Well, um, we're talking about food this month. Well, on this episode, but food keeps coming up during fitness, right? So if there was <laughs> one food you could eat every day for the rest of your life, three times a day, what would it be? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, mine would definitely have to be white nectarines. Those are just my favorite Ooh, fruit. They're I've just never so heard juicy. Of this. Yeah, they're not the regular yellow nectarines, they're yeah. the white ones. So it's kind of a cross between a peach and a nectarine. But, mm, you know, obviously they're not always in season, so they're a little expensive, but those just my favorite. Just so I juicy. I love that. Wow. But that's going to go on my list, and maybe I'm going to eat that for if, I'm gonna are, try if, one. It, if it comes into this yeah. area. There you go. <laughs> um, what is your most used emoji? Oh, that's a good one. Hmm. I would say like probably just the heart emoji. Yeah. Using that with just Mm -hmm. my husband and family and sometimes accidentally sending it to people you're not supposed to put a heart emoji. (laughs) (laughs) Mine is the rolling eye emoji. That's my, yeah, mine is a rolling eye emoji. That's my new thing. And my kids are like, oh my God, mom. Like, yeah, because everything you say (laughs) makes me feel like I need to put the rolling eye emoji. So (laughs) what is your question? What makes you, oh, I'm going to ignore that timer. What makes you the most anxious? Mm. Oh, that's a good one. I would just say like not having a plan or like mm. uncertainty. Like sometimes I just like sit my husband. I was like, what's our plan for the weekend? Like, what's our plan for this? Like, I just, yeah. I don't like uncertainty. Like everything has to be like written down and then I feel calm. <laughs> yeah. That's how we that's are about Ramadan too. too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. I feel like I'm already person. behind. <laughs> Until I became a mom, and now I'm like so anxious all the time. So um, I'm glad that you you have to plan everything, 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 contingencies, yes. plan A, B, and C as well. So thank you so much for all that you've shared, and hopefully we'll be able to undo some mindsets that still believe that food is to fill you up and not to just fuel the functions that you have to perform every day. And inshallah to pass on that new mindset to our children, so that they also. You know, for me, Ramadan always met my mom's best recipes. Like, it was Mm -hmm. fun because of the food. It wasn't fun because of the ibadah. It wasn't fun because of, like, the spiritual connection I was supposed to have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, that naturally happens. But, um, yeah, it was all about food growing up. And I hope to change that experience for my children because I really want them to be less shallow than I was growing up. So, 
Um, I would love that for them. So thank you for all of the great advice. I mean, this make a smoothie, stick it in a Ziploc in the freezer. That's going to change my life for Sahur. So Jazakallah, especially for that one. And inshallah, when we have questions about food, we'll uh, be able to find you on Instagram. We'll put all of your links in our show notes. And we're just so glad that you came today. Jazakallah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma on Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.